This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Uh, Pastor Michael here with you. I am joined by two very good friends, Pastor Craig Jarvis and Pastor Ian Simpkins. Pastor Jarvis is uh, between pastorates right now, and so um, Pastor Jarvis likes long walks on the beach, and uh, he's got long, (laughs) flowing, beautiful, amazing hair. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pastor Ian is a pastor of Poplar Creek Church in Bartlett, and uh, Ian and I, we go back um, 10 years now. We've been buddies and shared a lot together. Um, Ian, crazy similarities between you and me. We are both from where? Detroit, Michigan. We both lived in what city? Elgin, Illinois. We were both youth pastors at the same time in what city? Bartlett, Illinois. Both of our churches went through a mm. turmoil. <laughs> <laughs> Fill in the blank. Yes. Both of us and became the interim dance instructors. Dance instructors. <laughs> and then eventually both of our, our churches, to their dismay, asked us both to be the lead pastors. <laughs> right, right. And and honestly, our, our scenarios happened almost identically. Mm-hmm, yeah. um, we were a couple months apart. I think right. you went through it. No, I went through it first. You did, yeah. yeah. And I was like, woe is me. And then it was worse <laughs> with you. And I was like, I'm so glad I'm not you. It was that bad. But so. I, and I have said this to you, though, like having you as just a friend and a brother walking through that, having just walked through it yourself, uh, was such an enormous gift to me and to our whole community, to be honest, to be able to to bounce things off of you and kind of wrestle through that together. So I, yeah, I, that really, that season is very dear to my heart. Yep. So what you're saying is I'm John the Baptist and you're Jesus Christ. Oh my gosh. Is that I what got, you're saying that's to That's not in any way. <laughs> oh, <boy. laughs> oh, goodness. Wow. So uh, it, it is with much joy I get to have these two brothers in the studio with us. And uh, so the question is a fun one. And honestly, I get this asked. I get asked this all the time because there are so many wrong thinkings around pastoral ministry. And the mm. question is this. So what do pastors do anyways? Isn't it like a one day a week job where you get up <laughs> and you like kind of talk for 15 minutes and then you you sit down? Well, all three of us, we come from maybe a different background of preachers, right? Um, we don't really preach 10 to 15 minute homilies, right? We, we, we know you don't. That's we for know sure. I don't. Okay. <laughs> Objectively, Ian's yours. sermons are longer than mine. That is not true. Objectively, not 35 true. to 42 minutes right here. You know? Anyways. Um, I think I beat you both, actually. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I, I have confidence. <laughs> MacArthur uh, says you you finish the message when the text is done. Yes. Oh mm. goodness, I finish the message when thirty five minutes is up, and then uh. I keep talking, <laughs> and then I find a rant, and then I go off on that, and then I'm like, we should probably shut this thing down. And the worship team is standing in the back, like going like hand on the wrist, like time's up, buddy. They just start done. playing the academy music. Oh, like totally. time, Speech is over. If we know. had a microphone that went down, my I would be a living nightmare in Bill's church. <laughs> God help us all. So. Um, but, but honestly, like I want to talk about a few different aspects of pastoral ministry. So all three of us, we might be pastors or have been pastors in the Chicago suburbs, but each of us are made very, very, very differently. Mm-hmm. We think differently. We shepherd differently. Our our time demands are different. Our churches are different. So um, Pastor Jarvis, let's start with you. Just as, as you have been a pastor in the Chicago suburbs, like what are some of the top two to three priorities? Like these things got to happen every single week um, that you do as a pastor. So w- one of the 
reasons that's hard question to answer is because because we're wired differently we have kind of different ways that god wants to use us mm-hmm. and so one of the ways that god uses me most is uh, with people one-on-one so I, I do a lot of um, a lot of discipleship, one-on-one discipleship, it, and that includes taking people to the hospital with me mm. when I do hospital visits. Interesting. Or, people don't like me. So like really? my ministry is totally different. <laughs> oh, <laughs> between you and me, we could make one I real know. pastor. That'd be amazing. <laughs> that's why he's doing this podcast, yeah. just to get some friends. Trust <laughs> me, between you and me, we need Ian, right? That's, <laughs> let's be straight, right? Oh, boy. We, we'd be big jerks, and that's... he'd be like, give everybody a hug. It'd be awesome. <laughs> you like hugs. You do like hugs. So, but that's the way that God wired me because what I want to see is I want to see him use the things that he has gifted me to do best. Mm. And so um, I, I know I'm going to stand before him someday and, and he's going to require that of me. So, uh, so that's one area that I've seen in my years of ministry that God has used me is, is uh, kind of do, do one-on-one discipleship. And then that would also include a lot of training as well. So I spent a lot of time uh, with people just trying to pull them up to another level in their mm, relationship awesome. with the Lord. So um, I, I say I push them out on the branch a little further every day. Mm. So people will look at somebody that's real spiritual and they'll see them way out on the branch where the wind's blowing and there's hardly any branch out there at all. And they'll say, man, I wish I could be like that. So I consider it my responsibility as a pastor to help as many people in the church as I can experience that. So I can do that as a group or I can mm. do that one-on-one. That's good. Awesome. So sitting down with the staff and figuring out ways that we can maybe create programs or incentives for people to actually take those steps to get mm. further out there. Uh, I like to spend my time doing doing that as well. So, it it really is a, a lot of dreaming, a lot of planning, a lot mm-hmm. of a lot of stuff like that. And and I would say the th- the third thing that would be a priority would be time in the Word. Because if I'm not doing it, right. then I'm not doing it. What yep. God told me to do. Amen, dude. Preach, Ian. What about you? Top two or three things that are just every week. They're just who you are. You got to do them. Yeah, I think uh, I think besides the the obvious external piece of of preaching and sermon prep, which does include, as you mentioned, that's that's prayer, that's time alone in the yeah, Word. I think that yeah. also includes Sabbath and margin and being diligent in some of those areas. I would say the two words that come to mind are, are activation and mobilization, right? So the activation piece for us is identifying how, how is God wired? There's um, for me, I think no greater joy than seeing people come alive doing the things that God made them to do. Mm-hmm. It's one of the things that I love most about the local church. When you see someone, whether their job affords them the opportunity to do that thing or not, when you experience this, I'm sure both of you, when they come alive, like being able to do that and not and not just for their for their own benefit, but for the benefit of the body, that is such a beautiful thing to watch kind of mm-hmm. unfold and grow and mature. So that, that activation piece requires a lot of one-on-one stuff, a lot of training, a lot of discipleship, a lot of mentoring, a lot of uh, connecting of the dots, connecting people with the right people, um, but creating environments that that cultivate that so that it's not, it doesn't need to be Ian driving the train each mm-hmm. time. So um, obviously the, the multiplication uh, versus addition is that is that work there. And then the, the mobilization piece for me is really important because we don't want to just reside in the theoretical. At our church, we have uh, three words we've kind of boiled it down to, rooted, growing, and reaching. And so for the rooted piece for us is we want to, we want to, be intentional about good doctrine. We believe that that's uh, important and valuable. And the, the the growing piece is for us. That's that's the community piece. That's the um, for many people the belonging before belief piece. And so a lot of that, a lot of what we um, develop and frame is how do we help people feel like they have a place there. And the reaching piece is we we want to move people beyond just simply um, hearing and learning. But how do we actually kind of put flesh on the on the bones of what we're talking about? So for me, like because because who we are, we can't escape it. And you can force us to be something we're not. You know, if, if I want you to be an evangelist, 
yeah. and, and you're not, it, it's just never going to work. And uh, so for me, like the two words that basically dictate the majority of my week are leadership and teaching. Yeah. And so I'm a starter. And so I'm constantly starting stuff and getting people to start stuff and trying to get as many people using their gifts as possible. Mm-hmm. So I do my best when I'm working with our leaders and encouraging them and developing them and putting them in places where they can thrive. And um, for me, like in this season, teaching and content development is one of the primary things that I do. So for me, my entire Monday is spent all day long preparing a sermon for Mm -hmm. the following Sunday. Mm -hmm. And then I go to our community group where we talk about my sermon from the week before. Mm -hmm. And uh, that's humbling, by the way, to hear people talk about your sermon. And then Tuesdays, I spend in the studio with Dan preparing for Q&A podcasts and uh, and staff meetings. And so my entire Monday and Tuesday is actually... I'm not with anybody except for myself or our leaders or my community group. But like my Monday and Tuesday is really is devoted towards teaching content development and leadership. But that is so in my blood that every time I try to do something else, it just doesn't go well, you know? And and so one of the things that people need to understand about pastors, especially um, if you're just hiring a new pastor is you can't change who they are. In fact, one of the best things you can do for that, that church is to encourage the pastor to thrive in their giftings and then somehow resource their weaknesses, staff out the things they're not good at. And uh, so let's talk about sermon prep for a moment. Because all three of us, again, have very different preaching styles, mm. although we have the same fundamental values. So um, talk to me, um, Craig, about when do you do preaching prep in a normal um, week? How long does it usually take? And uh, just talk to me about the weight of the Word of God throughout the week. So like some guys, like John Piper, for example, he doesn't even begin his preaching prep till Friday, mm. right? Um, some guys, like Mark Driscoll would always say, he spends one hour in preparing for a sermon. Like in my mind, that's that's insanity. Okay. So like, talk to me, like what is preaching preparation look like for you and bring us kind of into that world? All right. I'm trying to get over that shock a little bit. Cause that's so much, not me one hour. Wow. Yeah. I, mean, I think all of pastoral dumb, if that's a word, like was in shock by that statement. I, I, right. If it works for him, that's, you know, that's, but I've been in ministry now over two decades and, and so I kind of have developed like you, Michael, I've kind of developed a, a pattern for, for what I do. So I, I spend a sabbatical time, so that's several days, just by myself and pray about what God wants me to to speak on. What what are the needs of the church? Where is he leading? Sometimes it may not speak to the needs of the church. It might be what the Lord has laid on my heart. And so I plan that out six months in advance. So I'll, I'll put a – I call it a skeleton uh, of the direction that we're going to go. Now, that's not set in stone. Sometimes that will change based on what happens in the world around us. But for the most part, it gives us a direction on which, which way to go. Usually it's, it's expot. Ex- expository, if I can use that mm-hmm. word, it's yep. taking a passage of scripture or a, or a book and kind of working it through. Then um, three months in, or three weeks in advance, I'll, I'll revisit that topic. I'll constantly be gathering information and file that away. And then the week of, I've, I've tried to do it earlier, but I can't because I'm scatterbrained. So I've got to do it actually <laughs> that week. Amen. <laughs> so um, so I'll, I'll delve into that. And it, so altogether for any sermon, uh, that week that I'll spend the majority of time in it, plus the prepar- preparation time and the and and just praying over it and spending time in that subject in my head, uh, probably is fifteen sixteen hours for mm-hmm. each each message that yep. I do. And people don't people don't get that. Yeah. And right. sometimes it's not even the what the text says because we're really trained into know what the text says. Yes. Right. I think for me one of the biggest challenges is what does the text mean for our people and how do i communicate that in a way that is helpful 
Right. That is, for me, one of the most gut-wrenching mm. parts uh, of sermon prep. It is. And to know that you're the one that's going to be held responsible for this. Yes. Yep. Right. So you, you really walk on thin ice here because mm. you want to be honest with the text, but gentle with the people. Totally. And so you've got you've to put those two pieces together to make it make it lay gently on the heart, but still challenge people because that's what the whole word of really God good. does. What, what other organization does the does the leader get up and talk at the people for 45 minutes every single week? And then they take notes and then they go and talk about it. Right. Right. <laughs> like, isn't that funny? Unique. Yeah, it is. So Ian, talk to us about um, just your process of sermon prep, your interaction to the week with the word of God, how that lands for you. Yeah. So uh, every October or November, uh, I kind of go into, uh, I just call it the cave and I retreat somewhere for about two or three days. And um, I, I've taken all of the research that I've done for the two months prior and we plan out 12 months at a time. Mm. And we've kind of divided the year really into just two categories, come and see or go and die. So each of the series kind of fall into uh, brand new kind of the faith, the idea of Jesus, the gospel, the church, and then the go and die is the, okay, how do we really put teeth on this? And so there's no, for us, formula, like the beginning of the year is always this and the end of the year is always this. Sometimes it really ramps up to Easter or ramps up to Christmas or ramps up to, um, we try to follow uh, on occasion um, things in the liturgical calendar. So we actually preach on Pentecost every year. Um, we do liberal yeah i get that a lot <coughs> uh, I, I do that too <laughs> <laughs> everyone in this room is wearing skinny jeans by the way for and those they both listening have bernie sanders shirts on which is really funny to me i just whatever and another thing that uh, i've enjoyed doing over the years is I, I will regularly take people out for coffee and i'll just share with them either uh, the teaching skeleton or a week or two or three out share the outline of my notes and ask them as just a congr- as a lay person in our community, um, wh- where am I missing the mark? Does this hit you? Is this timely? Is there uh, like too much Christianese here, or com- like my my totally missing the mark in terms of where you actually are at? And and that does two things. One, it helps give me a perspective, knowing that my experience as a leader, as a, a one who is responsible for um, casting vision and and cultivating um, leadership in our community, that. I have one perspective, but the, the the thing that I love about the local church is that you have a myriad of experiences and backgrounds and people with kids or no kids, people that have been walking with the Lord for 40, 50 years, people that are brand new to this thing. So um, it, it has a way of kind of, for me, providing new insight, but it also helps the congregation feel like they have some buy-in. They're a part of this process that it's it's not just a pastor up in an ivory tower somewhere just deciding, um, you know, in a pile of commentaries what we're going to go through, but what are the actual needs? What's kind of the DNA and the, and the pulse of the community? And, uh, and for some reason, taking people out for coffee and just asking where their heart's at in light of where we feel like God is leading us has been really, really helpful. Mm. There's a common theme that I heard with both of you that's the same in my life, which is the the necessity of a time of solitude. Yeah. And um, so I'll speak for myself. I have a hunch you'll agree, but um, pastoral ministry is weird. It's different. It's different than anything else. And it's it's not better or worse. It's just different. And um, there is so much insanity going around on mm. around us. Yeah. And again, we wouldn't change it for anything. Let's be straight. Like that's mm. not a complaint. Right. Um, uh, there is something that God has wired in each of us to care for people and enter into their worst moments and to, and to bring Jesus Christ into those moments. So um, as I say that though. Um, 
busy, busy, everybody. Yeah. And it's not just us. I mean, everybody is busy. The amount of things grabbing at us. Yep. And so a weird thing happens with me. So every year I go to California in um, the early, late winter, early spring, and there's a conference and that conference energizes me. But after the conference, I take up an entire seven days all by myself. Mm. I'm in California. I have a car and I walk the beach 40 or 50 miles. And some people would say, oh, Michael's on vacation. And I'm just going to tell you, as an extrovert, being alone is not vacation, number no, one. Right. And number two, it's gut-wrenching. Um, it is my time with the Lord where the Lord just lays me out, gives me yep. vision. And that, for me, has been the place where every year, almost every, every new idea or initiative that we have launched has come out of that time. Mm. Because once I get rid of the insanity around me, it's like the Holy Spirit has an opportunity to tell me, yep. okay, now you're now things are quiet. You know, now your soul's in a, in a place to listen. And and so one of the things I don't know that people totally understand is the necessity of a pastor to have a season of solitude that is regular and yes. scheduled uh, because it's really hard to collectively assess the needs of, in our cases, a couple hundred people, um, figure out what is what do they need um, because all of them are so different. Right. But really, the question is, Holy Spirit, what do you want me to do? Mm-hmm. Um, what are the demands of our church six months from now that I'm not even going to know about? So right. for me, we're teaching through Ephesians. I don't want to teach through Ephesians. I want to <laughs> teach through Genesis. Okay, right. That's what I want to do, but that's not what our church needs right now. Um, we have a whole bunch of newer people who are new to the faith, unchurched, de-churched. They know nothing, and I need to ground them. And, right. and and so for me, it's one of those things where like this season of solitude becomes so, so important. But I want to make sure the listeners don't hear the opposite. Um, I don't want our church ever looking at me and saying, you're just so busy, I don't want to bother you. Right. I'm here to be bothered. Right. Bother me. Right. You know, Let me tell you I'm busy. Don't tell me I'm too busy. Like I want to be with you. I want right. to be with people. I want to care for you. But I think, Ian, what you hit on the head is that we are so close to what happens in our church and the people and interacting with them that we have this, uh, we'll just say so much knowledge of where our church is at, that the Holy Spirit uses that in combination with just the mystery of his will and gives us that clarity of where we're supposed to go. And um, I love it. It's it's amazing how the Holy Spirit works in that process. And um, so uh, what do pastors do anyways? This is the question. Old joke I heard, the only people who work less than pastors are missionaries, which is not <laughs> true either. Wow. And uh, all the missionaries listening are like, that's a lie. And I'm like, I know. I know. There are some dumb pastors and some dumb missionaries and dumb accountants and doctors. There's dumb everybody. But mm. by and large, pastors are some of the most hardworking people on the planet. And uh, so other than teaching prep and doing some of the things that are just more in line with your passions, what are some of the things that you just have to do every single week? And it, it, it objectively just takes time. Yeah. When we speak of uh, like vision casting, for example, we talk about it as uh clearing the fog from the mountaintop. And we, we, we use journey language a lot at Poplar Creek and we, we, um, super hipster. We, it. it really is. I realize that, but it's been so helpful for us because anyone who's ever gone on a hike or a journey with people, uh, you know, that when, when the destination is clear, there's uh, unity and there's energy and there's encouragement. But when, when that destination becomes foggy, uh, that's when I think we really get caught in, in looking inwardly or looking down the, the small things begin to distract us yeah. and overwhelm us. And so I, I see as a major part of my role, not only as a pastor, as a shepherd, as a leader, um, it's it's to be constantly clearing away the fog. This mm-hmm. is where we're going. This is why we're going there. This is mm-hmm. why that matters. 
And, and that can be done a number of different ways. Sometimes it's just coffee and encouraging someone. Sometimes though, it's it's canceling a meeting so that you can develop some training. So you can actually get some time alone to, to hash out some things that have built up over time. So yeah, and let me, let me poke because yeah, you, what do. you're doing is you're revealing a shift in pastoral ministry <clears throat> over the last, we'll say 10 to 30 years, minimally, where the pastor is now a leader rather than a shepherd. Now it's true because we are, and that is one of the emerging emphases in yep. 21st century American church. And so, and, and it's, it's a privilege. Yes. It is a privilege to lead our people on mission and say, what is the fog between us and the mountaintop? Yep. And let's get rid of that fog so we can do what God has asked us to do. Yes. But what you're hitting on the head, I think is just really important that if, if we were 50 years ago, we would answer the question, what do pastors do anyways probably a little bit different in terms of what we emphasize. And so again, should it be that way? I'm just calling out it is. And the, in the younger a pastor is the more almost exclusively focused they are on leadership and leadership development. Almost all of the pastoral lingo coming out of seminaries and whatnot is around being a leader who develops other leaders. And it's just part of the rhythm of where We'll say pastoral ministry is going and has yeah. gone. Yep. And and so people just need to understand that it doesn't matter if you're a good leader or a bad leader. It doesn't matter. That is an expectation. And so good leadership, good planning, good vision casting takes a lot of time. Yes. It doesn't happen because we're just like, oh, I came up with an idea and we're going to go do that. Right. Like right. It, it is birthed out of prayer and pain and listening and time. Um, I, it's just not easy. So um, Pastor Craig, share with us. So, uh, yeah, listening to what you're saying, it has changed over over the years. Um, and I think that's because people's lives have changed largely. Mm-hmm. They've become more technologically driven. They've become more uh, psychologically needy. Um, they've mm-hmm. become more uh, – the situations in the world have become more large uh, relationship-wise, job-wise, you know, financially. It just seems like there's – you know, we're not working on a farm – from morning to evening and de- and dealing with farmers primarily. Mm-hmm. In the early 1900s, 42% of the population were farmers. Right. So uh, at the end of the 1900s, wow. now 2% are farmers. Wow. So we're doing we're doing a different kind of ministry uh-huh. than than we're talking about last century. And yeah. that's why I think I think we're grabbing onto the Ephesians 4 passage where and I am just so burdened by this where it says that our job as shepherds is to equip, equip yes. the church Absolutely. to serve. I love the, or actually the little three-letter word, F-O-R, we equip the church for ministry. Right. That's awesome. So um, our, that's our job, and, and I think now, maybe more than ever, and especially with the way that our world is going and the, and the burdens of the people in our congregation growing, so that our, our job really is 24-7. I yeah. mean, I have can't tell you how many times over these last years that, God has allowed me to serve people, and you're right. I wouldn't do anything else, but yep. but it is it is demanding on us. It's demanding on our family. It's mm-hmm. uh, when the phone rings and somebody's dying. It's yeah. it's getting in your car and going to the hospital. Yep. It's um you know you, you delegate. Don't get me wrong, but because we're shepherds, our hearts are, in our are constantly yeah. pulled out of our chest and given to others. Yeah. And when somebody suffers in our congregation. They're a part of our family. Yep. It's just like our own family. It's hard to explain that to anybody else, yep. but if you're a shepherd, you know what what I mean by, by that. 
Well, I want to invite you back tomorrow, and we're going to go a little bit deeper into some of these questions. And again, Village Church and all of our listeners, it's a pleasure to have you. And uh, our desire, too, is to help you understand pastors in this podcast, help you understand what makes us tick. We get these questions a lot, and I hope this is really helpful for you. At the end of the day, our heart is to shepherd the body of Christ in behalf of Jesus for his glory to point people to Jesus and on mission. So we love you, and I know I speak for Craig and Ian when I say this. We love you, we love you, we love you. It's our joy. So join us um, next time, and we're going to continue our discussion around pastoral ministry. We hope you join us. P.S. listeners, you may be wondering, how do I get this podcast into as many hands and ears as humanly possible? After all, it is objectively the greatest podcast in human history. So uh, the quick way to do that is by leaving a rating and review. The more uh, ratings and the better reviews a podcast gets, the more Apple pushes it out to as many people as humanly possible in their search engine. So here's a quick tutorial on how you can leave a rating or review. First, if you have a iPhone, iPad, or any kind of computer, Mac or PC, open up the iTunes store. Do not go into your podcast app because your podcast app will not allow you to leave a rating and review. Go to your iTunes store, search in the search engine, Village Church of Bartlett. Three podcasts will come up, pick the Q&A podcast, and you will see ratings and reviews. Go into the ratings and reviews, preferably hit five stars, anything less than that. We'll judge you, but um, then you will see the word title. Title is the name of your review. For example, um, these people are amazing. Tim is the most handsome man ever, etc. And then you can actually write your review. And then if you would post that, we would greatly appreciate it. The more ratings and reviews, the more people actually get to see the Village Church Q&A podcast. So on behalf of Pastor Tim and myself, thank you, thank you, thank you.